space. Well, not really. Take two. Here, in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best things as the neutral zone. All right, hey, welcome back. This is the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. I am Charlie Carden, your humble servant, Trek Lord of West Michigan, joined by uh, my intrepid co-co-host over over there in beautiful Pennsylvania, uh, serving on the USS Nomad. This is Aaron. Aaron, say hello. Hello. So, Aaron, this is your first time back uh, solo as a regular part of the program, just you and I. So thank you again for joining me on this journey. How How is your weekend going? Uh, it's going great. Um, thank you for asking. Lots of chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. T- tomorrow is uh, tomorrow is April 4th, Easter. Mm-hmm. Double whammy because it is my wife's April's birthday. Uh, so we get to celebrate uh, by going out. There's a, a local botanical garden called the Meyer Garden here in Grand Rapids that has a butterfly exhibit, which April's always very fond of. And I think the last three or four years we've missed it. But, you know, this is we're alone. Uh, no kids this weekend and birthday on a Sunday. So it's it's all good stuff. So anyway, anyway, fascinating chat. But we are actually here to launch the uh, first recap of Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, Star Trek Enterprise kicked off in the fall of 2001, starring a venerable genre actor, one of my favorite dudes, and I just loved him in the role, uh, Scott Bakula as Captain Jonathan Archer, and the premise of the series taking place uh, a little over 100 years before Star Trek, the original series, is the voyage of the first Warp 5-capable Starfleet vessel, and this is this is before the founding of the Federation. This is before we met the Romulans. This is before we met a lot of different species that we're familiar with uh, in the more prime 24th century uh, era of Star Trek: The Next Generation and DS9 and Voyager. So uh, it's a prequel, and uh, my partner Todd over on SFU Prime is fond of saying that he hates prequels because if the story was so great, uh, you would have told the story in the first place instead of dreaming it up after the fact. So uh, we will attempt in this uh, breakdown of the first half of the season to figure out if that is correct or if uh, there is some narrative power uh, within within kind of what they told. So uh, that being said, let's kick it off with the pilot, Episodes 1 slash 2, Broken Bow. So Aaron, tell us all about it. Enterprise is launched, and Captain Archer finds himself in the middle of a temporal cold war involving the Klingons and Suliban. So, we uh, we have a new race. We have an old race. It's kind of like something borrowed, something blue, uh, something new. I know, what, what's, uh, how does that go? Something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. Okay, so the uniforms are blue. Uh, the Klingons are old. Suliban are new. And the concept of a prequel is borrowed from any other type of storytelling yes, where, they, where, they, where, they, where they get retroactive. So uh, I remember I remember my kind of my life at this time. I was I was newly single. I was I was going through a divorce. So I was on my own uh, a lifetime Star Trek fan. Uh, you know, Voyager had ended the previous spring. Um, so this was, you know, every Star Trek series that came along from, you know, TNG to, to DS9 to Voyager, uh, to this, 
had to approach with a different hook. So, you know, TNG was, you know, bringing Star Trek into a modern storytelling in the 80s. You know what I mean? Then DS9 is, we don't have a ship, we're on a station. Voyager was, was we're on a ship, but we're uh, totally far removed from everything that you know because we're on the other side of the galaxy. And this is, well, let's dial it back 200 years and we'll give you a ship that, you know, has wonky looking controls. And we're, we have the transporter, but it's kind of weird, so we don't know how we're feeling about it. And, uh, you know, we're running around in shuttle pods and the ship is really small and it looks like a submarine and, you know, there's no Federation of Planets. So the Vulcans are out there, but they're kind of they're kind of a huge pain in the ass. And, um, I, you know, I they, they seemed a little and they, the characters while they had gone through, you know, the World War Three experience and the aftermath of it, which we saw in Star Trek First Contact. Um, and they were a little bit they were still they, they were more societally potentially evolved yeah. than, than we are in this day and age, but they were still kind of, kind of snarky. Like, you know, uh, Archer is very snarky towards the Vulcans because, Oh, they held my dad's research back and he would have finished his ship 30 years earlier. And he, you know, he died I, of some I have disease to tell or whatever. You, that's what I don't, that's, that was the most unappealing thing to me about this whole series was this whole, unevolved attitude toward things. Um, and, and I, I hate to admit this, but I'm going to, I didn't watch this until 10 years ago. Okay. And, and uh, it was pretty, I mean, were you a fan at the time, but turned off to it that you didn't want to watch it? Or is there another yeah, reason? I loved Voyager. I was like, this is not my thing at all. Wow. Wow. But then I got to a point where I was so desperate for uh, new Star Trek content right. that I, I ended up watching it. And, uh, you know, it's not my favorite, but I like it. And I got to tell you that all of that being said, this is my favorite series premiere of any of the Star Trek series. I, I can't I can't disagree with you. It seems the most kind of fully formed and, and it seems like they really go somewhere not physically they go physically go somewhere but the each of the characters your main characters all seem to kind of take a leap you know what i mean they 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 go they start somewhere they evolve a little bit and then we're poised for the series to begin for them to continue to to have kind of an emotional journey so i i agree with you there and you know and still you know there is the suspension of disbelief that well if the ship looked like this and the tech looked like this how did it end up looking like the original series in the, and, and there's the, you know, a lot of like, you as you go through this, I noticed so many technical mistakes that they made. Right. Um, I mean, the story's good. It's everything seems to be well-written. So I, I don't have as many criticisms as I normally would, um, with what we've done so far, but there, right. are, there were a lot of like incidents that I noticed where like, wow, they really didn't do that. Right. Did they? Yeah, exactly. Correct. So, you know, and again, to, to extend that, uh, that metaphor, you know, it does get even more different, uh, back when, uh, you know, back in then obviously in discovery, they've kind of totally revamped what a TOS ship looked like. So that looks a little bit more like this, which to my regard, even as a purist, I like the fact that they're not like, okay, well, we're going to set Strange New Worlds in the, the time of Pike, but all the sets have to look exactly like they looked in the cage, which was crappy, and everything looked like it was made out of cardboard. So right. that's okay. It's, an, it's a new, you know, you can't take that kind of stuff and put it in front of a modern audience and think that it's going to hold water. So I like the fact that they, they, were, they were approaching a new aesthetic, which would be kind of ongoing uh, into this. So that's okay by me. 
That is that is absolutely okay. Even but. like their costumes are very uh, a lot more closely related to like modern Air Force. Yes. Attire yeah, than Star right. Trek. Right, and, and I think some people also said kind of had hints of NASA. They look like flight suits, which is which is good because these were, these guys were more astronauts than they were of anything else. So yeah, it's it's definitely uh, you know that kind of a denim jumpsuit is better than the gold velour that you saw Captain Kirk wearing. So I right. definitely think definitely think it's a better approach. So well, cool. Uh, moving on, episode three, fight or flight. Ensign Sato faces her fears as an alien ship whose crew was murdered while Lieutenant Reed tries to upgrade the ship's defense systems. So, to me, early filler episode. Um, uh, you, I wrote dislike. <laughs> I wrote um, dislike emoji uh, five times in a row. Yeah, it was um, a lot of filler, wasn't it? Right. It was like, oh, he's playing with the tech and oh, you know, Sato's a big wuss. OK, great. Boring movie. And no, then I did. I got to disagree a little bit. I did All like right. them developing Hoshi's character a little bit and right off the bat. Fair. Fair. Yeah. You know, that's right. You know, I don't I don't think it really holds a tone that she becomes more of a major character in the series based on this, because, again, you you kind of end up with Star Trek follows in a lot of ways like a big three. So in this, it's it's the top three officers. It's the captain, the first officer, in this case, the chief engineer. Uh, you feel like those characters get more of a say in, like, Travis Mayweather, for example, gets a story arc literally in the second to last episode of the series. So it's like they just, oh, we better do something with him because he's done jack shit for the entire series, though he does get a little character development early on. I think overall for a season, everybody gets a little piece of that. You know, a little bit of character development. So, yeah, yeah. I suppose so. I, I suppose so. But, um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I say dislike. Definitely a filler episode. Um, and, you know, and without further ado, I kind of feel the same way about the next episode. I didn't really feel like they accomplished a hell of a lot. Uh, oh, that would I be... liked it. Well, tell us all about it then, please. Okay. Strange New World. A storm traps an away team in a cave on an alien world, and pollen spores cause them to experience psychosis. So you're saying you liked it is a little bit is it a little bit more of a riff on like the the naked time or the naked now, which they did in TNG. Yeah, which it is the virus I, thing. Yeah, I loved to pollen this. I, I just I I think that this might be my favorite episode she was ever in. Really? Yeah, I mean yeah. she she really kept her cool until the very end. And then she kind of, you know, she succumbed to the spores. And, of course, uh, it was the beginning of, I will tell you, at least it was the beginning of kind of what is the burgeoning relationship between, you know, she and Trip, which obviously really catapults into season three. And then, you know, things that developed throughout the end of the series. So, yeah, it was, you know, even further in the series when it when, uh, you know, Trip meets uh, to Paul's mother and she asks, how long have you been attracted to my daughter? Well, you know, and after he's like, you know, feigns like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It says, well, I, I knew I always knew there was something between us the first time we had an argument. I never enjoyed arguing with anybody that much. So this is a great ex- example of, of when that was happening. So, yeah, I kind of dig it. My um, boyfriend does not like this episode. No. Uh, and we watched it together so I could do the podcast. And he pretty much complained the whole time. He said, I hate that Florida boy. Um, would, <laughs> I know he was shouting at the captain. Why don't you try not to bang the shuff, the shuttle on the mountain this time? It, oh he, man. He absolutely Ouch. hated it. Yeah. It was bad. Oh boy. It's like, it's like sitting with your grandpa watching him yell at a football game. My I goodness. Know, and I'm just looking over. <laughs> saying, I like it. 
I like it. Zip it. Uh, well, I really like this next episode, episode five, which is unexpected. Oh, no. <laughs> Can you change the name of it to wrist nipple, please? <laughs> please, let's do it. Okay, wrist nipple. Commander Tucker helps an alien crew fix their engines and has an interspecies encounter on a holodeck and returns to find himself pregnant. First of all, show notes, uh, the uh, sub name of this episode is going to be called Wrist Nipple. I'll yes. see if, can, I, I, if I can definitely get that um, to, to be put uh, on publication. Uh, so I'll do this while you, when you start talking about the next one. I'll, How I'll, about Pregnant Trip and the Wrist Nipple? Pregnant Trip and the Wrist Nipple. Well, one of the two of us has to make notes then, so extra changes it. I have um, notes. Okay, I have notes. Very good. Um, I... I <laughs> I thought it was fun. It was a great example of it. It was a great example of doing something kind of different and weird, um, but then also, you know, introducing technology that just goes nowhere because they bump into the species, which is kind of siphoning power uh, off of Enterprise in their wake under a cloak, uh, so that they can and they need Trips help to repair it. They so he something uh, like that on Voyager too. There's a ship in their wake. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure, and it'll probably take. Until we get to the episode for me to remember which one it was. But I have I'm a question cute. for you about this. And I was really wondering it when I was watching. They introduced the holodeck, which is, you know, very yes. cool. And, and you assume that's where they get all the holodeck technology for all the rest of the series. Great. But right. do they ever get into this more? Because you never hear about the species again that has this technology. Well, and that's the big issue with um, with a prequel. Like, oh, we introduced this thing or, you know, and so how come we've never heard about it again? And so, uh, you know, they run to this in Star Wars because they had a whole prequel trilogy. Like, why didn't no, why did don't let Todd this? don't let Todd hear you say that? Oh, no, I just I know the. Pre, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. So to, to support his position is probably a very bad idea. Yeah. But you make a good point. So, yeah, this race. You're never going to hear about him again because, again, we had Enterprise. Then there was nothing on TV for a while. Then there was the J.J. movies, and now we're into the more modern era of storytelling. So it's possible, uh, but it's also never really confirmed how the holodeck technology that Starfleet uses, if it has any connection to this, if it was done. Because, again, at the end of this, the Klingons come along, and it has a deal that the Klingons aren't going to blow these aliens up. They say, give us the holodeck technology. And then crickets. Never again. Yeah. It's never mentioned because, again, it's a terrible example of how a prequel introduces a new story element that should translate to previous versions of it. Like, you should have seen it in TOS then, or you should have heard about it in TOS, and, or, or, you know, in the movies, or whatever it is, but you never do. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's like there's an explanation. It's like the bumpy-headed Klingons versus the smooth-headed Klingons, which they finally resolved, but it took you know, 30 years for them to do it, to come up with an explanation, which actually comes out of the show in season four. Yeah. Um, so it was fun. Yeah. The, 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 uh, what, what was it? The, did you already enter that into the show notes? No, you did not. Let's see here. So, uh, what did, what did you want to call this one? Oh, I can write it in. No, I'm uh, doing it right now. Preg trip. Pregnant trip and the wrist nipple. Preg. No, oops. Okay. Pregnant trip. And the wrist nipple. I like it. Why did he get a nipple on his wrist, though? Like, I mean, because men already kind of have nipples, so. You know, ours is not to ask why. Okay. <laughs> oh, there we go. Pregnant trip and the wrist nipple. Okay, moving on 
to episode number six. One Terra that I enjoyed. Nova. One that I enjoyed. Talk to, tell me about it. Enterprise is sent to learn what happened to an early human colony called Terra Nova. I, I dug it. Um, I dug oh, my God. It was way too long for me. I was bored. It was an all too familiar plot. Um, but LeVar Burton, again, they directed it. Right. I thought for sure you wouldn't like this one. You, well, what made you think? Okay, they, you know, that's an interesting perspective. We usually have consensus. You think so? Yeah. I, 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 like, I like the concept of it because, again, you can think about, well, if this is the first Warp 5 vessel, then in the hundred or so years of, you know, of space exploration that happened before this, there were obviously other ships. There were sleeper ships like the one Khan was on you know, that they finally found find him in, in the air of TOS and wake him up that – People who had to get on a ship, and because the voyages were so long, they would, you know, they would sleep, or they, it would take them 20 years to get somewhere instead of, you know, two weeks to get somewhere. No, but so the, the whole thing reminded me of that episode of Voyager. With you the, know with, the one where they go to the planet, and and it had uh, they oh, found oh, like some one. sort of Earth thing, and then there was like a nuclear fallout, and they were all living underground. It reminded me of that. I was like, this is the same thing. Well, you know, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with the episode of what I, you know, I know the exact one you're talking about. Do yeah, you? yeah, you're right. That's no, you know what? I lied. I have a vague idea of the one you're talking about. It's but. like almost like word for word the same thing. And then you know they're really hostile toward them because they don't trust them because what right. humans did. Right. I, I I was just way too much of a rip off of that episode for me. So right. I I didn't enjoy it as much as you did, but I probably have more of a clear recollection of that Voyager episode. That might be what's lacking. And yeah, you're right. I mean, some of the Voyager, and again, I watched Voyager all the way through, but you're right. Some of, some of the samenesses of the plot are probably what led to this being the first Star Trek show that was canceled in 30 years. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah and, and again, it's in, and not off to a great start, but, but that being said, the next episode does flesh out a, a very underserved race that ends up being, Quite spectacular, I think, throughout the course of the series. So, episode seven, the Andorian incident. And you know, this episode, the Andorian incident, I actually didn't watch it because I've seen it so many times because I enjoy it so much that I didn't need to. Well, all right. Well, then, then yeah. you can you can you can free riff it through there. So, describe it for us, please. All right, Captain Archer, Commander Tucker, and Sub Commander T'Pol are taken hostage by Andorians in the Vulcan monastery called Pajem. Well. I love this, not only for the fact that we get the absolutely superb Jeffrey Combs back. Yes. The, the multiplayer, yes. the guy who gave us two wonderful roles on Deep Space Nine, of course. What a being, great way to intro yeah. this new race, too, with him. I right. loved it. Yeah, give it a face that you're like, for fans are going to be like, yes. And for the uninitiated, they're going to think that's a very strong performance of a dude. But yeah, right. he was obviously the, uh, the Vorta. And he was uh, he was uh, Brunt from the FCA, the Ferengi character. Um, absolutely awesome. But yeah, you're introduced to the Andorians, who, uh, having made one significant appearance in the original series, where you have an you have a character who describes his race as being violent warriors, but you never really see much for it. You get another couple of background character appearances scattered throughout uh, TOS, but really nothing else more substantive. This begins. Uh, Shran, who is, uh, who I would say as Brunt's character, as Jeffrey Combs' character, uh, you know, some real meat. And you establish that 
they have beef with the Vulcans, which was never really something of significance before. Uh, They're from neighboring systems. They're warring species. And this goes to serve the fact that, oh, Vulcans never lie. It kind of pokes holes in the fact that Vulcans never lie or they're never going to let you know they're lying or they're going to be sneaking around doing their own shit, which is exactly what this episode is all about because it's a great, oh, this is a primitive monastery and we're here for study and shit and they've got this big crazy subspace telescope underground so um yeah a good uh, poke in the hole of uh, the pomposity of the vulcans i think is also really well served by this episode i loved how T'Pol was so disappointed in the vulcans when she finds out that they weren't completely they weren't being honest um and i think that really sets up her for the rest of the series yes no i totally agree Totally also, agree. Roxy and Dawson directed this. Ooh, yes. Yeah. And, I know. And this was, I was excited. And this one, from that article you shared with me, this was kind of her blossoming of, of transitioning to behind the camera, which is, you know, very common. Uh, uh, Robbie McNeil, obviously, from Voyager, also that is what he does for a living now. He really yeah, he's going to be yeah. in, he's going to do one of the ones, too, that we, we talk about today. Awesome. Um, hey, did you notice Jeffrey Combs, though, um, whenever he turns his neck, um, you can see where this there's no makeup and you can see his actual skin like right on his neckline. Really? Good yeah, catch. you see it like I... twice. And I was I was like, oh, come on, guys. Oh, man. I, you know what? I'm impressed that it's not anything I've ever caught. Um, You'll notice but... it next time. I, I bet I will. But any one thing that will not impress, in my opinion, would be episode eight, breaking the ice. Yeah, my comments, meh. So here we go. OK, right. breaking the ice. Lieutenant Reed and Ensign Mayweather are extract a rare chemical on a comet while subcommander T'Pol considers marriage to costs. So you don't see costs in this, but the character does show up later in the series, but uh, extract a rare chemical, boring. Uh, you get a really dickwad uh, Vulcan captain, boring. Like guys just outright, uh, just a jerk to the captain. I wrote on here. That guy's a dick. <laughs> that guy, dick breaking my one, uh, you know, my, my one commandment in life. My friend Miranda always loves to quote me when I say this. I said, what's Charlie's number one rule? Don't be a dick. And this guy breaks Charlie's number one rule. So screw him. Very forgettable episode. Let's move on. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, you don't want yes. to talk about all the problems with physics? Oh, you know, I'd love to talk about problems with physics. Break it down for me. Okay. On the comment, able to snowman. Gravity would not hold it in place. Right, but then this guy hurts his leg, but he's too heavy to carry. Oh, no, nerds. <laughs> yep, all right, that's it. I just want to all complain right. about physics, and we can move on to civilization. Ooh, yes, please. Captain Archer and an away team go undercover to a pre-industrial civilization in order to investigate an unexpected sensor reading. Mm, first impressions? Garros is a dick. Such a dick. He's also breaking Charlie's number one rule. I don't like it. Um, I like this was was this the first uh, contact with an alien uh, like a like a like kind of an established civilization? I assume that thus the yeah. Yeah. So I, I I thought that was pretty cool. I like that. I like the uh, kind of the who done it. They caught they caught a guy who was a ne'er do well. And I like that the, the scientist that. in the pre you know industrial civilization is a female. That was very cool. Um, otherwise I've got nothing. I did not like this episode. Oh no. Okay. I mean, like I said, I thought it was passable, but it was super duper forgettable. I mean, there's an episode 
it might even be later this season or even an early next season that is called the communicator where they visit a planet and they leave a communicator behind. I feel like this, it, it seems very similar. Oh, pre-industrial society. We don't want to blow. We don't have the prime directive, but we feel like we should have the prime directive. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's very, very forgettable. I, I got, I got you there. So, um, episode 10 does actually give us some honest to God character development for, like, I feel like it's the last piece of character development he gets for another three years for Travis Mayweather in episode 10, Fortunate Son. A cargo ship, is it called Fortunate? Yes. Okay. The cargo ship Fortunate is damaged by a Nausicaan pirates and the Enterprise offers a helping hand only to find the acting captain has secret plans. And the acting captain is actor Lawrence Monson. Who yeah. was a who was a child actor, but now I can't remember what he was a child actor, and I'd have to look it up. I but don't I, remember either. I remember reading about that though. But he's also kind of in general kind of weird looking. So, and I think as an adult, he was way weird, more weird looking as a kid. But still, you look at him; he's got like like big buck teeth. So he's like <laughs> just kind of bizarre, like, kind of bizarre to make it as an actor. But uh, and this is again Levar Burton directing. So I did, I did a great I think job. maybe I just don't like him as a director, and I wish I did because I think he's great. But all right. the episodes that he directs, I don't like. Are just total stinkers. So well for um, me, other, yeah. you might like this one. I said boo. I thought, you know, I thought again, I, you know, I like Travis. He's kind of a flat character and I guess I like him even less at the end of the series where they try to really cram some like character development into him and give him a backstory, which they never did before. Um, but yeah, this early on, I'm also kind of annoyed by the fact that the Nausicans, which we saw in, uh, TNG as the alien race that one of them stabbed Picard through the heart. And that's why he has an artificial heart. Yeah. But when they were portrayed in that flashback Q episode where we, we kind of walked through the paces of what there was, they, they like very have a mumble grumble command of the English language where they talk like cavemen, where in this, they just talk like normal people. Oh yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah. That I found as a, as someone who's a nitpicker, I found that super annoying. So, uh, an okay episode, but again, we're you know okay-ish, lukewarm maybe. Um, but I promise get... I like all the other ones. Well, my God, then just go for it. Number eleven, please. All right, cold front. Captain Archer learns that Crewman Daniels is covertly helping to fight the temporal cold war against Silic and the members of the Sulaban Cabal. Well, directed by Robbie McNeil, like you said. Yes. Uh, yeah. What do you think? I liked it. Um, I know that the first episode in the description said that it was the beginning of the temporal Cold War, but I think that this episode actually was. Yeah, no, totally. And again, we get we get a return of uh, of Silic in this episode. You get Daniels, who's a character who comes on and oh, he's going to be pivotal. Now he's dead, but he's not really dead because it's right. the, <laughs> it's the first it's a, it's his first death. Right. So, yeah, it's the uh, you know, it's the the all through the timelines and stuff, something that's very pervasive in, in, you know, Marvel, Marvel cinematic storytelling now, because you've got Captain America's here and he's dead. And you have another version and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I dig it. And again, I will never forget that at the time, the nonstop drumbeat of whining, you know, we call them neckbeards now, people who are just armchair warriors that bitch about everything. Temporal Cold War. Boo. I'm like, why, why is that a boo? Yeah, I what, liked what, it. What's wrong with the temporal Cold War? It's a, it's a, you know, it's a science fictiony kind of convention. Uh, in the, you know, in the end of it, when it comes to an end in the two-part uh, uh, season premiere of season four, 
the Stormfront uh, one, I absolutely friggin' loved that one. That was one of the greatest. I totally dug it. So I love the Temporal Cold War. It's not like, oh, I wanted more of it. But they did some really good stuff with it, including the, the season finale of this season. So, yeah, I loved it. I, I enjoyed the Suleban. But, again, they're another race that, much like with the Zindi, which was the focus of season three, you never hear about them again. But that is the nature of the fact that this was a prequel. It signaled a long pause in Star Trek TV. So it's not to say that it couldn't end up coming back, but whatever. It's 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 really, you know, it's not ter- terribly pivotal. So that's okay. So, all right. We're in the home stretch ready? now. Yeah, we're in the home stretch now. So Silent cut loose. enemy. Ensign Sato tries to find out what Lieutenant Reed's favorite food is while Captain Archer deals with a secretive and aggressive alien first contact. Wow, I loved her trying to figure out what his favorite food was. I really liked it. Really? I mean, well, I, I, I did. That, it, it seems like a kind cute. of a kind of a, you know it, it is kind of cute because it's kind of it's kind of a weird and weird thing and it's a departure because it's not maybe a very Star Trekky kind of thing. So I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, and Reed is super boring. So super I, boring guy. I like how they illustrated like not only is his character seeming kind of super boring, he just is super boring. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He his just, parents it, aren't interested in him. None of his friends right. know anything about him. Yeah, it's surprising that he has for you. His sister's like, well, you know, he's not the easiest person to get to know. Is basically a way of saying he's a dud. Don't waste your time. Right. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. It's just not a very not a very interesting cat. So, uh, episode 13, I agree with you, was a capper. Great way to end this half uh, season. Yes. So, tell us, please. Yes, good okay, one. Okay, dear doctor. Dr. Flox and Captain Archer must decide the fate of two species suffering from an evolutionary pandemic. Wow. Groundwork for the prime directive, right? I know. Dug in deep. So, yeah, you get what becomes a very, you know, easy tourist like, oh, that's just so very Star Trek. And they've got the prime directive. And, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that. But And Captain Archer makes a hard decision and he makes the right decision. Right. Exactly. So based on him as, you know, he based on him and his own values. Uh, being raised in, you know, the Earth's, and again, this it's Earth Starfleet, so it's not the Federation with this charter of conglomerated rules and the different views of different societies. It's just he's out there and he has to make the tough, you know, kind of frontiersman call of doing the right thing, and he ends up doing the right thing, and it's great. So yeah, I agree for you know almost really a highlight of of this first part of the season. So. I think that it's good because he even it has just, that quote. Do you remember that where he's like, someday they'll have some kind of directive for things <laughs> like quotes, this. Some kind of directive. Exactly. Right. Correct. So, yeah. Well, cool. No, I totally dug it. So uh, first half of the season. And again, this was back in the days when a season on network television was 26 episodes, which seems so unimaginable now because network TV arguably is dying because I know I don't hear a ton of people buzzing about network shows anymore. We barely watch any. So all the shows I don't have cable. We haven't had cable for you know for a few years now. But even like with Hulu, where you can still get shows that might air on ABC and stuff, have really dropped off the radar for me personally. The shows we're watching now. I only watch them now if they come onto Netflix like a couple years later, and then I watch it. Right. So really, you're you're outside of the system. Of yeah. the ratings and the commercials and the blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, back in this day, it was pivotal to, to have that kind of stuff. Um, 
so yeah, it's 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 definitely really weird to have 26 episodes. So uh, I will be returning, obviously, in our next episode with Rich, your co-co-host, uh, to wrap this deal up. So uh, so that's that. Uh, if you were to give the half season a rating, what what would you give it? One out, one out of ten Vulcaneers, not in um, pairs. Let's see, I'm gonna give it a seven. Wow, I would probably go with maybe a five. I thought, you know, of the 13, may, maybe half of them were, were kind of sort of worthwhile, but then also enhanced by the fact that the, that the series premiere was two and it was it was such a kicker and we loved it. So, yeah, five for you, seven for no, five, oh, five, seven for you, five for me. So I was eight out of 13. Eight out of 13 that you liked. OK, yep. and you, you actually worked out the math for that. I'm impressed. <laughs> I did. I like I write like and dislike and hearts. Right. And I have all these little symbols on my notes. Oh my goodness, taking notes. Me, I'm just I I'm just so stream of consciousness after these years. So I'm glad you're grounded and I'm the cowboy. Pew pew pew. That's okay. <laughs> All right. So on to the news. We we have uh we have two stories and then we have just a just something fun about April Fool's Day. So the um the crowdfunder to make uh to the journey, which is the Voyager twenty uh, fifth anniversary documentary, has absolutely blown the doors off all over the place. It's raised more I money. I can't wait. Yeah, it's raised more money than any documentary in history, uh, according to uh, this article from TrekMovie.com, which they've kind of become our unofficial source uh, for things that we talk about on the show. So I like that website very much. I'm also a regular listener of their podcast. So who knows? Maybe someday we'll team up. That would be awesome. But uh, yeah, it turns uh, it turns out um, uh, in the time uh, that they've been running this, uh, even just in March, to the journey was supported by nearly 12,000 fans. Uh, with the last 1,700 coming in within the last couple of days, even has a great picture from Twitter of Nana Visitor with a great T-shirt that I would. I oh would get. my God! I would love to have that shirt. I would get. I would get this for April, hands down, because without a doubt, Janeway is her favorite character too. So, um, yeah, they're they're raising money all over the damn place. They smashed their goals, um, and so yeah, they did hit. My goodness, kind of beyond their stretch goals. I think they 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 hit. Their oh yeah, they dollars. smashed it. That is good stuff. So uh, we'll be, and they're going to be, yeah, they're going to be bringing back, increasing the runtime to 90 minutes and remastering footage into HD, which is, I, I would say, the part of it that I'm the most excited about. So, and yeah, uh, that is awesome. The the team is planning on filming uh, the Voyager reunion at October's Destination Star Trek convention in London. So this will be great. Do we have, do we have a drop date of this and when we might actually hope to see it next year? I'm sure they're going to yeah, be filming. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they put a date on it yet. I mean, they, they're just collecting money. So, who right. knows how long it'll take? Well, hopefully they will do some good thing with that with that money. So I'm fired up for this. So we will uh, when these documentaries drop, you can count on basically a full length episode where that is what we will tackle uh, without a doubt. So uh, all right, moving on to talk about something kind of fun, and you'll have to let me know if that that one that you forgot that if you've thought about it since we've been talking. But uh, today is April 3rd, so a couple of days ago was April Fool's Day, uh, which is very famous for the clickbaitiest of articles uh, out there. So a day actually dedicated to clickbait on social media, creating fake headlines of things that aren't happening. Uh, so we had a couple of Trek ones that I saw, um, both of which ones that I really want to happen. Is that wrong? No, uh, I, a did, click, I do too. There was a clickbait one, of course, uh, and I talked about this on Secret Friends, which we also recorded today, uh, about uh, the, a green lighting by uh, Paramount CBS of a story called uh, a series called Star Trek Riker that would uh, chronicle Riker and Troy's journeys on the Titan. Boo, 
don't mess with my emotions. You suck, April Fool's Day. <laughs> uh, and then the, the 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 other one is really apropos to what we're talking about now: uh, green lighting of a fifth season of Enterprise by CBS. So obviously, neither one of these is going to happen. Uh, the Enterprise one is interesting because there is quite a bit. Uh, of material out there, uh, so much so that I have slated a tentative episode down the road for us to talk about the fifth season of Enterprise, things that might have happened within. So that's for a ways down the road. Uh, and, and I may have to reanalyze that because I may not have enough material to make that happen. But that's what I'd like to do. It's on my would-be-nice list, so we'll, we'll see if that comes to pass. So, um, Have you thought of the other one yet? Did it, did it come back to No, you? it didn't. I, I oh, mean, well. it, wasn't, it wasn't very good. I was like, oh, that one's dumb. Right, lame. Not even something anybody would care about. Yeah. So, but I'll tell you what: something that people will care about is this swag story. So, you were so yeah. fired up about this one. I'm gonna let you take it. You go it's right ahead. So cute. Star Trek: The Next Generation rubber duckies beaming down to your tub. <laughs> so yeah, what do we got? What do we got? What are what are they what are they offering us here? What do we got? Um. It, they're just cute. I mean, uh, in the pictures, there's one of Picard and there's one of Worf with a batleth. Uh, the Worf one, every time I look at it, it cracks me up. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, but they say that there's also LaForge, um, Deanna Troy. Um, so it's a set of four. Right, and they they are, are they are they joining or they're also being produced a TOS series. It looks like we've got you know the the classic Trinity Kirk Spock McCoy. And then, of course, Lieutenant Lieutenant Quackhura or Uhura, whatever it is. But these are fun, and they say, yeah, they're up for pre-order now, so probably uh, destined for uh, shipping in June. So, you know, I haven't done the whole. Ru- I know you you have a younger daughter, so your rubber ducky days are probably closer to you than mine are, because my kids are all grown or just about. I'll um, take a bath with a rubber duck in it. I don't care. I will. This I may is have great. To- and I'm not a bath taker as an adult April is, so maybe I will have to pick I'm up a I'm going to start just so I can have these ducks in there with some bubbles. This is going to be a good time. To, as you say, get all your ducks in a row. Uh, I'll, I'll line uh, them all up and then oh knock them into gosh. the tub. Boop. It'll be great. There we go. Yep. And, and, and with that boop, we actually have the end of our show. So, Aaron, play us out. Okay. For more information about Starfleet International in Michigan and beyond, please visit the Grand Petoskey and Nomad Facebook page. The Code 47 podcast is part of Secret Friends Unite. Podcasting Network is produced by Todd Oxtra. Oh, yeah. Todd and I have been doing this for an awfully long time. The Secret Friends Unite Network is four shows uh, giving you your guide to the geek side covering uh, video games, Star Trek, Star Wars, and general geek culture. That would be co-op mode, Code 47 that you're listening to right now. Secret Friends Unite, and the Holocron Chronicles. Hit us up over on Twitter, uh, over at Secret Friends U. Let us know something you're enjoying. Subject matter is up to you. Star Wars, Star Trek, general video games, what have you. And we will talk about uh, your comments or answer any of your questions on uh, the appropriate uh, program. We've got a great uh, merch store over on T Public uh, for Secret Friends Unite. Support your favorite show, your favorite Secret Friends show. Uh, Aaron, you're, you recently took advantage of getting yourself some Secret Friends swag, if I'm not mistaken. I did. I think I might be getting two shirts for the price of one because oh, they screwed right. up shipping on the first, but um, the uh, the second order did finally ship. So pretty soon I'll have this cool shirt. I'm excited to start wearing it out. 
It's that, a really cool design for this show. I love it. I love it. But yeah, and uh, as a matter of fact, because and I wasn't able to drop this on Secret Friends because Secret Friends drops on Friday, but because this show drops on Monday, April 5th, Later this same, let's say you're listening to this episode when it comes out. Later this week, T Public is has one of their sale windows where they offer. About oh yeah, the, it's on Wednesday, yeah, right? Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So, um, go in there, shop their variety of merch is you know hoodies, t-shirts, uh, wall art, pillows. Uh, the t-shirts are only thirteen dollars. Yeah, it's it's a sale. It's good. It's just, you know, proceeds uh, do actually benefit uh, the production of our show. Uh, we're working on a website offering original content, but, of course, everything costs money. Wish it was the 24th century and things didn't cost money, but they do. Uh, so your uh, supporting us will support us in more ways than one. So uh, visit us on uh, both uh, any, you know, any podcasting service where you grab our show and certainly YouTube. Leave us a five-star review, and we will talk you up appropriately. So with that... As always, friends, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking.